Hi, this is May. And I'm Joy. Welcome to the QWERTY Writing Life Podcast, where we have candid chats about our creative lives. May and I are friends, writers, and creatives who want to share our endeavors out loud. On this podcast, we're here to encourage each other, and you too, and share tools we've discovered or made up, so you can follow your passions with a little support. So grab your tea, or your coffee, and let's get started. another week. Hello and welcome. On this episode of QWERTY Writing Life, we will be celebrating Just Because Day. But before we do that, let's talk about our creative weeks. Joy, what did you do? All right. So this past week, I have been getting creative with my time in order to complete my short story collection. Um, I've had to figure out ways to not use changes in our routine around this house to be I guess use as an excuse um, and just find workarounds because you know what? We're all in a new normal. And so we have to adapt to that. Um, So I, as I was thinking about this, I couldn't help but remember uh, one of my kids' favorite children's books. Um, We're going on a bear hunt. Have, have you ever read that to your boys? Yes, I have. It's so good. I know. And it's one of those that like your kids love it so much you have to read it a million times. So there's a point that you're probably sick of it, but there's that nostalgic part to it too. So anyway, can't go under it. Can't go over it. We just have to go through it. And so that's mm-hmm. kind of become my mantra. And um, we're going on a bear hunt. It was written by Michael Rosen, illustrated by Helen Oxenbury. And I just have to add a note of thankfulness. I did not realize that Mr. Rosen um, what had COVID-19, and he has had a very lengthy battle with it. Um, but mm-hmm. thankfully, he is doing better um, from the reports that I saw from BBC and, and stuff like that. So anyway, a huge mm-hmm. shout out, and I hope you're feeling better, Mr. Rosen. And thank you so much for your contribution to children's literature. Yes, seriously. We'll drop a link for his uh, website so you can learn more about him if you don't know about him. He's a pretty incredible guy. So what about you? What have you done? So my creative week actually also revolves around literature. Tonight, my boys and my husband and I, every well, every night we read a chapter of a book to our kids or, you know, or just a, if it's a very short book, we'll read a whole book to the kids a night. But tonight we finished the children's illustrated version of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. So we were able to introduce our kids to Captain Nemo and the Nautilus and they loved it. They were like hanging on every word that we read out loud and it was just so much fun. And so that's Jules Fern. They, it was just so fantastical and they, just couldn't wait to see what the next obstacle was going to be for the gentleman on the Nautilus and how the ship was going to blow their mind, the next cool thing it could do. So it was really, really cool. And at the end of it, they were both like, but what happened to Captain Nemo? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I know that they really enjoyed it because they were so invested in it. And I loved seeing their little faces and being able to introduce them to really cool stories. 
And that's something super special. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll treasure <laughs> it forever. Love. Aw. So, speaking of great stories, that kind of really leads us in well to our topic tonight. So, as we were looking ahead to kind of make plans and stuff like that, we were looking at, well, what holidays or what, you know how every day has something. You know, it's like National Chocolate Day, National Eat a Pizza Day. I mean, it was all these crazy things. So, we're looking this up and we found out that August 27th is Just Because Day. So, we started talking about that and (laughs) we decided... I don't know how we got from point A to point B, honestly. I don't remember at this point. But just because we decided we wanted to talk about one of our favorite shows, Firefly. So if you have read our book, if you've listened to us for a while, you've probably figured out that we're pretty big fans of the best sci-fi show that has ever existed and possibly will ever exist, Firefly. So (laughs) we're going to... I am so excited for this episode. I know, I know. We've been totally (laughs) geeking out over this. So we're going to devote this whole episode to the awesomeness that is Joss Whedon, um, just because. And because we've learned a great deal from Joss's characters and storylines and so much more that we can incorporate into our own writing. So now it's time for some thrilling heroics. (laughs) Oh, I like what you did there. I know. I love it. Oh, Jane's one of my favorite characters. Yes, he is the best. Okay, so that was a quote for those who don't know. That was a quote from one of the characters on Firefly named Jane. (laughs) You'll learn more about him in a moment. (laughs) Yes, definitely. (laughs) So there are a few things that just right off the bat I could talk about that I love about the show. So the first thing that you're introduced to in Firefly is actually the battle when, when it all opens, you're in this battlefield, and you can automatically tell that it's this mixture of, like, old school, like, Civil War kind of battle and also science fiction in space battle, which sets the tone for everything. And we find our main character right there who is a captain of soldiers. And a little bit later, you find out that he turns into a captain of a ship and... That's one thing that I really love, like that continuity of how it shows how the past meets the present right there. But before that happens, right there in the middle, it opens up with the battle. Then before you get to captain of the ship, you get the theme song, (laughs) which is a special kind of epic, horrific thing. (laughs) Oh, it's beautiful. I love it. Don't even. Another one of the things that I love about Firefly is like this mixture of culture in there. And the theme song just kind of sets that up. It's a perfect metaphor for that because it has like this super sad Irish like instrumental music. And then here comes this nice deep country sounding voice. And it has the steel guitar and all of these old school country sounds that goes along with it. And it's just so... (laughs) So perfectly Firefly. Another thing is, is not only do they have these multicultural aspects, but they have an original, original colloquialism that belongs to this whole environment that they have. So there are special words that they use when they're in situations. And so shiny is one of them. When things are going great, it's like everything's shiny. (laughs) Shiny cat. (laughs) Shiny cat. (laughs) 
So you have like these colloquial phrases that people use in there and it just kind of makes it its own entity even more, you know, because you can't say that it's like this or it's like that, really. You can only say that it has these aspects and it's Firefly. So, oh, what else do I like about it? Um, The misfit family aspect. I love the misfit family. And so the, the fact that they are this crew of just people who are out there in space and, and Mal brought them in piece by piece and they love each other and they love each other like family. And, uh, and you also get to see how that transition happens because at the beginning of it, they take on passengers that become a part of the crew that become a part of the misfit family. Another thing that I like, I'm sorry, I'm talking too much, aren't I? No, you're great. <laughs> Keep going. I'm loving it. <laughs> Except I just want to go watch more. <laughs> I know, I know. So Mal is one of he's he's one of my favorite characters as well. So he was the soldier. He was the, he was the captain who over soldiers in the very beginning battle scene, and his side lost. So you've got the alliance that's like this institutional. We want to make everybody conform under this rule situation, and then you've got the brown coats um, who are the more like free will independent kind of situation. And Mal was the captain of one of the brown coat regiments. And I love how they bring that in to the present because the war is lost. Alliances everywhere. And his costume for the entire show is just like everything but the jacket, I think, of his uniform for when he was a captain in the brown coats. I just love that tie-in it's just a little reminder every once in a while that he is living this tragedy every single day and just trying to make the best out of it. And there's, there's a, a depth that comes to that character because of that costume decision. Yeah. I think that's enough for right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you talk some joy. You go ahead. Oh, goodness. Well, you know, for me, this show is, it is the absolute perfect blend of humor, drama, and sheer terror, which I'll talk a little bit about in a minute, but it's masterful on so many levels of story. I've consolidated what I've learned from Firefly into three C's. You know how we like our alliteration and everything. (laughs) So I've got characters, um, specifically their interactions and development, contradictions as seen in both the places and the people and the deeper meanings that you get there and then the connections and this was a light bulb moment that I actually had really just last night the the whole like light came on for me about this about why certain shows just do better than others um so I'm really excited yeah no I can't wait to share I don't even know what she's gonna say I know it's gonna be new to everyone (laughs) (laughs) so I have a question for you May who sure. can you narrow it down? Like, do you have one favorite character? Mm. That's really hard. Okay. I'm going to change your question a little bit because I love every single character in the show. Like, of the main cast yeah. of characters, I'm attached to every single one of them. So, I'm going to say that the character that I most relate to mm. is Kaylee. Mm-hmm. who is the girl next door character and she's uber positive and just kind of like, you know what, this is, this stinks, but we're going to just, let's just solve it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> kind of how it goes. <laughs> so I can say that that's how I can answer that. 
I don't know. Oh, oh, I can also answer who is the character that I want to be most like. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. So that is a mix between Zoe and Anora. Oh. <laughs> that would be an interesting mix. That's like Wouldn't the unstoppable it? woman right there. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think so too, and that's why I chose those two. So Joy, who is your favorite character? So of all of the characters, River Tam is definitely my favorite. Wow. Yes. Okay, I need an explanation. Well, she just, okay, so you kind of have to see the show, but she, it's pretty clear from the beginning, like she's been through a lot. Um, She goes through a whole lot. And there is so much development that comes very, very slowly for her character, I think. But there's a reason behind that. But at the end, I mean, it's just... With the movie, it's amazing. It really is. Um, and I've said so many times that I'm going to dress up as her for Halloween. And I never do. But maybe this year? I don't know. <laughs> you should. You should totally do that. And, you know, you have similar facial features as well as River. And now my hair is longer again. And that was one of the things. I was like, oh, I cut all my hair off. And that just wouldn't work. And so now it's longer enough. So yeah, it's on. Yeah. If, if Halloween is on. That's true. (laughs) If we're having Halloween this year. (laughs) Okay, but I have to say my other favorite character, and this is totally out of the sky, is Serenity. That's the ship. (laughs) And the ship is totally a character in this show. Yeah, I agree. Totally is. Yeah. So do you want to tell us why it's your favorite character, or do you just want to be, like, mysterious about it? Well, okay, I think it really boils down to, I've always been the kind of person who likes the misfit toys and the misfit things, okay? So when, you know, as a kid, you always watch Rudolph at at Christmas, right? And there's the Island of Misfit Toys, okay? I love that part. That's my absolute favorite part. Like, for the longest time, I thought that that was a whole show in and of itself. I completely forgot about Rudolph and everything else. Like, that was the best part for me. So, Serenity is this ship that is small, and it's falling apart, and it's held together with duct tape or whatever the... And love. And love, exactly. (laughs) Especially Kaylee's love, because Kaylee's the one who works on Serenity and loves her. And so, I think that that's why. Like, it's just, you know, this little, little tiny ship out there up against a huge wide world of a lot of savagery in some of it. So yeah. And it's always underestimated. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it pulls through. I love it. (laughs) Well chosen. Yay. You totally thought out of the box for that one. Good job there. (laughs) That was a total last minute throw in, but I was like, Oh, (laughs) this is so perfect. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. My first point is going to be the fact that there are so many contrasting characters there. And I think that the contrast between the characters really allows each one to shine, each character to shine properly. So they they don't get muddled down. They don't get hidden because they're always like batting against each other in these really cool ways. Sometimes it's really friendly ways. Sometimes it's banter, but also sometimes it's like moral issues and things Mm -hmm. like that. And I think that that is um, a really cool thing that Josh Whedon did in, in Firefly. I almost said in Serenity. That's not the name of it. (laughs) That's the name of the movie. (laughs) That's true. I have four sets, so I'll just go through those. So Wash and Zoe are two very contrasting characters. Zoe is Mal's 
like right hand gal and she was there during the war for him and she is still a soldier right there on the ship so they're they're in their past but they're bringing it to the present and I think that Mal is more like past driven and Zoe is actually moving on but she still has that loyalty to him as captain and she is crazy cool she is like soldier to the core she can kick anybody's butt she can (laughs) she is she is like the muscle or part of the muscle and on the crew. And I love that. And then here is wash a leaf in the wind. (laughs) You had to say that. I'm going to start crying. (laughs) And he's so precious. He's playful. He's independent. He is um, kind hearted and soft on the outside. Zoe's soft on the inside, but uh, wash is soft on the outside and um, and the best part about this, too, is it really shows how contrasting character, characters can have meaningful relationships because they are married and they love each other in the most devoted of ways. And that is everywhere in this show. And I love that about it. And so another set of contrasting characters that we have are two of the females on there. And one is Kaylee, who is your girl next door, like tomboy, getting dirty and going to find lizards and saving birds that fell out of trees. And like, that's the kind of girl that Kaylee is. And she's super positive and just has this innocence about her that is so fresh And I think it's fresh for the crew as well. And everybody is trying to protect that innocence on the crew. I guess they look at her like a little sister. Mm. In contrast to her, we have Anara, who is an ambassador. Uh, She rents the shuttle that belongs to Serenity. And she is um, very glamorous and graceful and well-spoken and just just a gem like and there's no roughness to it it's just she's beautiful you know and you've got Kaylee who's like a diamond in the rough and then you've got Anara who's like the diamond on your hand so there are two characters there but what I also see is that Anara might be like knowledgeable about the world and that sort of thing but her heart is very much like Kaylee's heart and they, they go really well together. They care for each other. They're, they're great friends because they have that similarity, even though outwardly they are very much in contrast. The third contrasting set is going to be Captain Mal. Oh, Captain, my Captain. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I've spoken about him enough that you have this, this idea of what he is. You know, this fallen soldier, this kind of a roughneck thing firefly this this the ship serenity which is a firefly class so that's why it's called firefly and the ship actually looks like a firefly which you guys know is my favorite favorite i have it back here for those of you on youtube yes there you go so whenever it takes off and goes fast guys who can't see or who aren't listening through youtube um, the bottom of it lights up like a little firefly but it's so cute (laughs) (laughs) It is seriously the coolest ship on any shows that have ships like that, spaceships. Yeah, we might be biased, but no, we're not. And (laughs) (laughs) so we've got Captain Mal, who is this brooding, um, beautiful man, by the way. So, and you've also got this, the perfect, just 
thinking like cast director wise, whoever the cast director was for this show, nailed it, nailed it. Because every single character um, that's played by these actors is just, there's no, there's no question that Nathan Fillion is Mal. Like <laughs> if you saw them in real life, you'd be like Mal, Jane, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so you've got Mal who is, who is this downtrodden soldier. And then you've got Simon who came from a very affluent family who um, is being heroic, very heroic. He saves his sister and, uh, but then he doesn't know what to do. And so Mal is always so self-assured. And then you've got Simon who's like, I don't know what to do next. Mal always knows what the next step in the plan is, even when he doesn't know the next step of the plan. Everybody just looks to him and he's like, this is what we're doing. And then it, it's almost like, wow, that worked. How did you know that would work? And he's like, I did it. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so Simon is, is not that self-assured and he's not that confident in his own actions. He's very smart, but his, he's not confident in his worldly, worldly things. So you've got that. And then you've got Shepard and Jane and Jane is another piece of the, the muscle. And I, what I love about Jane is that he is a brute, right? But then, <laughs> but then when it comes to his family, man, you just don't mess with them. You, you don't. And uh, his family and his guns. Because <laughs> so, <laughs> they're a difference for him, I think. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and he is super soft and sweet. But nobody is looking at him for advice. Nobody's looking at him for guidance, which is the contrasting view. His contrasting view is Shepard, who is a preacher. And people do come looking to him for guidance and for advice and, uh, and for comfort too. And Jane can give all those things, I believe, in his own sweet, <laughs> brutal way. But um, but Shepard has that outwardly. And as I'm going through talking about these, I see a lot of the, the contrast is actually one has something on the outside and, and something else on the inside. And then the next person has the thing that was on the inside for the other person on the outside. And, you know, it's vice versa for those. And that's kind of interesting to think about, too, as we create story and, and imagery and such. That's really cool. That's a good point to bring out. My first C was characters too. And I think for me, my focus was really on their development and their interactions with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though we all know that Firefly did not get its full day in the sun as it should have, blame <laughs> Fox and reality TV. <laughs> Just going to throw that out there. Joss managed more character development in one season and one movie than many do in decades on air. I really do think that. Um, Every character has an arc across the entire collection, but each one also has these secondary arcs in every episode. Like just about every single episode, you see some sort of little little gem of growth in every one of these characters. Um, Yes, they each had so much more backstory and emotional details that could have and would have and should have, curse you Fox and reality TV, been fleshed out, but... (laughs) Well, I'm not, not bitter. bitter. <laughs> <laughs> what we do have, though, is fantastic. And I think that my best example of this is Simon Tam, who you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, Simon, and I loved everything that you said about him, that, you know, he was just, he's, he's very much the opposite there of Mal. 
he stumbles aboard the Serenity after he frees his sister River from horrible torture. He's young, he's alone, and he's on the run from the big bad alliance. And even though he is this brilliant, I mean, we're talking genius level doctor, um, he's, he's super young to be such a brilliant doctor, he is completely unprepared for life in the Outer Rims. So when it comes to real life and the terrors and the lack of rule and order, Simon's just a baby puppy. I mean, that's, that's all there is to it. So while he has no experience with having to protect himself or even to defend someone else, um, defend her he will. And with his life if he has to. And I think my favorite episode for him is episode three. It's called Bushwhacked. And I in oh my that. gosh, I just love it so much. It when is such an outstanding. The, oh, when he oh. steps up on the platform, I know. and he's like, light it, and it's like, <laughs> in tears. So it's bad. just amazing. It's just such a great example of just in this one episode watching this character grow and develop. Um, as it opens, we see him. He's literally standing there. I mean, he doesn't have his mouth open, but it's, it's kind of that kind of look on his face. He's just kind of dumbfounded, stopped in his tracks at the contemplation of this little bit of plastic between a person and nothingness because they're preparing to go outside of the, the ship in space. Um, and he's just like, you know, crazy blank expression, right? But as the story unfolds, we watch him face his utmost fears. He faces losing his sister. He faces the whole facing the nothingness that I mentioned a second ago, and this total void of humanity and civilization in his first encounter with Reavers. Um, and that's that terror that I mentioned earlier that is ever present in this and yet is done so masterfully. Um, I'm not going to spoil the episode's end, but there is a moment, there's a decision that he makes that shows his growth in the face of those fears. And it's like you watch his expression completely change. Well done, Sean Mayer. And I don't know if I'm saying your last name right, but that's the actor who plays Simon Tam. I mean, he he just did mm -hmm. a really tremendous job with the expressions. Um, yeah. So His nonverbals were just Absolutely. just told a whole story. He didn't have to open his mouth. Absolutely. Tell me about your second, <laughs> your second point. Uh, my second point is tropes. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is a beautiful blend of tropes in Firefly. We love stories that have tropes in them for particular reasons because mm -hmm. they make us feel certain things. And I think what, they, um, what they've done in Firefly is put all of these really epic tropes in this show and just, just combine them all. And these are like big, like mythological story structure tropes and things like that too. Um, so some of them are smaller, but then some of them get really big. And, uh, and I love how they all work together. So of course we've got the brooding cowboy <laughs> and, uh, and who doesn't love a brooding, beautiful cowboy. I don't exactly. know. <laughs> But also in the same character, we also have the trope of the reluctant hero, because at no point is Mal like, yeah, let me go risk my life to go save somebody. It's more like, dadgummit, did it, had to do it again. And sometimes it's not even like dadgummit. It's just like he just does it and has no emotion about it. And uh, I think there's a point where Simon, they've rescued Simon and River, I Mm, I don't remember the name of it, but Simon and River get kidnapped. 
the ship has to take off because another crew member is injured. Serenity has to go to like another planet to take care of this person because they can't find the doctor. Simon's the doctor because he's been kidnapped. So, uh, so they get the other crew members straightened out and they come back to the planet where Simon and River have been kidnapped and save the day. It's amazing and awesome. And actually that is the episode that I was speaking of earlier where Simon was like, light it, you know? (laughs) So, so they get back on the ship and Simon says, why did you come back? And Mal's like, you're on my crew. He's like, but you don't even like me. So why did you come back? And he was like, you're on my crew. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a did I stutter moment. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't that say everything that you need to know? So, um, so he has this moral compass and this, um, this sense of duty that I think at some points he wishes that he could just be the smuggler and the thief, you know, but, and that might be the reluctant part of his heroism, but there's that trip. And then, of course, we have Kaylee, who's the girl next door, and Jane, who's the ultimate bad boy trope, and Shepard, who's the voice of reason trope. And then there's this beautiful story trope that I never get tired of, which is the blood family versus the family that you choose trope and how all of that can work in good ways and in bad ways. Those are some tropes that I just really was drawn to in the whole entire storyline or the one season, sadly, that we got. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, my second C is contradictions. And, you know, one of the parts of the contradictions is something that you mentioned about that ongoing um, battle between, you know, morals and ethics and all this kind of stuff that's just kind of ongoing with these characters. And then along the lines of your look at the opposites in characters, I found myself struck by the huge contrast between the Alliance and the Outer Rims, okay? Mm. And how little Serenity floats along fighting madly for independence from the great control of the government and for survival in the lands where law is gone and humanity is often dead. The Reavers represent that utter chaos and depravity. And this, and that's the terror, you know, that I mentioned earlier. And I just have to say that Joss handles that masterfully because the Reavers' presence is constant. You you constantly have that like terror of them, even though most of their scenes are off screen. Most of what we know comes in whispered explanations amongst the crew. Um, and I just love the way that the whole crew fights tooth and nail to remain independent, autonomous, you know, from Alliance and all of that, while also warding off the temptation to lose their souls and to descend into madness, which can happen in this wild part of the world. My next point was going to be storytelling and how Joss Whedon decided to tell the story. And what I loved about, uh, just use that phrase over and over again, but it's true. What I loved about uh, the storytelling in this was the fact that you had these little glimpses of the long-term thread that held the, all of the episodes together. So you always had a mystery that was on the back burner throughout the whole season. And you you know, you never really knew exactly what the trouble was or what was happening in that 
in that, but you are promised an explanation because of these little tidbits. And then along the way in each episode, you have these adventures that happen that um, have a beginning and an end in the episode as it is. Um, but what keeps us coming back for more it's not just the quippy dialogue, which is amazing. It's not just these amazing characters and their development, but it's this promise of answers for what's happened to River and what's going to happen um, as we as we move along. Who is Shepherd Book? We never know. <laughs> so, like, but that's not Josh Whedon's fault. So. <laughs> So if you are a, a writer or if you're a storyteller in some way and you are looking to um, maybe write a series or somehow do a videography of series, just remember that that little lesson that he taught us in Firefly that you can have these explosive adventures with all of the um, all of the details that you want, as long as you, you throw in and have a thread of this long term that keeps us going from um, from episode to episode or book to book or movie or short movie, short film to short film. Um, it's just so we can have something to keep our curiosity peaked all the way to the end. Well put. Yes. So. I think my third major lesson from Firefly, I'm going to call it connections. And this was my, my brainstorm, my little light bulb thing. I was reflecting on all my favorite shows and I realized that the ones on the top of the list have something very special in common. Um, and definitely story. You hit the nail on the head with that. But I think that there is an additional thing that they have. And that is that they're cast with actors who are bonded off screen. Firefly is probably the best example of this. Um, Arrow and Flash are a couple of other good examples. Um, these three casts can be seen at Comic-Cons all over. You know, they're chatting it up about, you know, their on and off screen memories and details. Their fans are loyal. Their fans are also vocal. That's why we have Serenity, the movie. Anyway, <laughs> another major example of how bonded actors make for better shows and movies is the whole Fast and Furious franchise. Um, those men and women are Vin Diesel's family on and off the screen, and it shows. It hit me how this can be seen in books. It's all about how bonded the author is to his or her characters. Um, you can tell, you can just tell when an author has made the characters real in their own lives because they will jump off those pages in ways characters can't do when the book was written without that connection. Um, often in what we call brain candy books, the ones that sometimes they're the ones that get popped out every few months, like an author pops out a new one every few months. We gobble them up, we enjoy them in the moment, but those characters kind of disappear from mind, right? Like we, we enjoyed the story, we enjoyed it in the moment, but there's not a lot that really lives in our heart. Um, and maybe that's why, that's because the author was never really connected to the characters that he or she created. I can totally see how that could be a thing. It's an excellent hypothesis. So I feel like it's probably time for a QWERTY challenge. I think so too. And today, Today, we would like for our QWERTY challenge to be something that you decide to do or watch just because. In celebration of Just Because Day, uh, we would think that it would be a great idea if you took something that was outside of your medium that you either love or 
maybe it's something that you've never seen before and you've just, it's not even like the movie genre that you like or something, but you just pick something just because, just because it sparks your interest. Or if your best friend said that this is the best movie and you've never watched it, maybe you just watch that today just because. Let us know what you decide to do and if you liked it. So you can email us at editorial at logosandmythospress.com. Awesome. So you guys have an amazing week. And go make something. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening until the end. Seriously, you're a trooper. Do you think pretty writing life is the bomb? May, you just said the bomb. Don't you censor me. If you think Cordy Writing Life rocks ice for real, oh my word. please rate, review, and share us with others. If you have questions about this week's episode or want to start a conversation, you can reach us by visiting cordywritinglife.podbean.com. We'll be back next week with more candid chats for you. <laughs>